0: I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get started at the word. God, thank you so much for this place. Thank you for um, just this community of people. God, we just um, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you that you've brought us here tonight. And we just pray, God, as we just um, set time aside to open up um, your word, God, that you'd speak to us. God, we believe that your word is powerful. We believe it's a living book, God, that the Bible is alive, and as we read it, God, you'll speak to us, and we just invite you to speak tonight, Um, God, whether we've walked with you for a long time, uh, or this is our first time even checking out the Bible, God, would would you speak to us, would you meet us where we're at, God, if if we've heard the story before, or we, we think we've heard these verses before. Would you just allow us to see new things? Uh, just come alive to us, God. We just love you. I thank you for uh, just what you're doing in this community. And we give you all praise and glory for it. Amen. Amen. Well, again, welcome. We're excited um, that you're here tonight. Uh, if you didn't know, this is real life. And we're just a community of college students here at Oregon State. Uh, we're just here learning about Jesus. We're learning how to follow him. And we're learning how to share his hope with others. And so we we really hope that you can get plugged into the community here. I'm so excited about what God's been doing. How many of you guys enjoyed Luke last week? That was really fun. You guys got a lot of energy. Um, So I just, I love having Luke speak. Um, And yeah, we're just also just excited. Next week, next Thursday, we leave for Fall Retreat. Can you believe it? I'm so excited. We're going to my favorite spot in the entire state. It's uh, Sun River, and I love it over there. It's beautiful this time of year, and uh, maybe there'll be some snow, uh, definitely some fall leaves. Uh, and I, I really want to encourage you, um, if you're still on the fence, talk to us afterwards. We want you there. Uh, if you just think, ah, should I go? Yes, go. Like, don't, don't consider it anymore. Just go, and, and just talk to your professors. Talk to your, uh, your um, co-workers, and get your shifts covered, and just make a way to get there. Um, it's going to be awesome, and you're not going to want to miss it. I've been talking to our speakers. Uh, it's a husband and wife, and they were a part of Real Life years ago, and it's going to be awesome. They got God's given them a, a really cool word for us and a uh, time of study that we're going to have together. Uh, plus, the games are looking really sweet, too, so we're going to have a lot of fun. So, yeah. Anyways, can you guys believe it's week four? I can't believe it. I feel like the older I get, the more I realize that, you know, life is like a roll of toilet paper, you know. It gets faster and faster as you get closer to the end, you know. I'm not that much older than you guys, I'm not trying to be depressing and heavy, but but I'm just, man, it's just going so fast, and just like that roll of toilet paper, man. So, but anyways, uh, again, you can turn to Hebrews 11. You actually have most of the verses we're going to look like. We're going to have two new ones. Actually, one's already in there, And as I said, uh, this term we're looking at um, just a series called By Faith, and I just wanted to unpack really, really quickly, uh, just again, a reminder that the the author of Hebrews, oh that's a good, good, I saw a hand. If you need a Bible, we're going to go through a lot of scripture tonight, go ahead and raise up your hand, we'll get you a Bible, Uh, you can have that if you don't have one here at school, you can have that one, or talk to us and we'll get you a different one if you want like a pink one or a different colored one. Uh, we'll get you a different colored Bible. We want you to have the right Bible. Um, so, anyways. Uh, but yeah, the author of Hebrews is addressing um, a first century uh, group of believers. They had come to Christ. Um, they put their faith in Jesus. Uh, they believed him for the forgiveness of their sins, uh, to have righteous standing before God, uh, and, and in the finished work of the cross. Like, it was complete. and that, And they really believed that. But they started thinking the old way was better. They started um, kind of getting tempted because uh, life was hard. And uh, it was it was difficult to follow Jesus in, uh, in the first century, and I would argue today. It was difficult. And they started thinking the old way was better. Um, and, and so the author takes, uh, he takes time, and what's really cool is there's 17 examples uh, or witnesses that he takes time in Hebrews 11 to point the first century believers, back to their Bible and gives them a history lesson from their Bible so they would totally understand who he's talking about, all these 17 witnesses. And really just pointing back to it's only by faith. Uh, it's always been by faith, and so it should be a, a huge relief. Uh, there's nothing new. It's it's by faith. And it would have been encouraging to them, and it's encouraging us today. Um, and, and I remember what Luke said last week, you know, Sometimes we ask ourselves, what does God want from me? Or what does God want from you or I? And, and really, ultimately, it comes down to faith. That's what he wants. He wants the end of self, and, and really, he just wants us to obey and follow him. Uh, that pleases him. It says, we're going to learn tonight that only by faith is God pleased. So turn to Hebrews 11. We'll read that section we just read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and though it being dead still speaks, Verse five: By faith, Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. They both pleased the Lord, uh, but both had a very different. And so, it's a very interesting lesson that we can see just just from those first two witnesses that you know each person's testimony is going to be different. Um, But God is faithful, and as you. Have faith, it pleases him. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we saw in verse 5, Enoch pleased God. Uh, Luke unpacked that last week. And, um, you know, he had a righteous walk with God because of his faith in God. That's why he was declared Righteous. Because of his faith. And so what we want to understand here is faith proceeds and produces a walk that pleases God. Faith proceeds and pleases, or and produces a walk that pleases God. The author has been leading up to this verse right here, this very verse. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so what we want to understand here is you can't do more work to please God. You can't um, earn His love more. You can't work harder. It's just its too difficult. You can't. You can't be perfect. And that's what He asks of us. And, and, but yet, faith. Faith in Jesus. That pleases God. Paul says it this way in Romans 3. God cannot and will not be pleased apart from righteousness that comes from God through faith in Jesus. Period. Without faith, this is for all of us. Without faith, all are under the wrath of God. Romans, Romans 1 says that. Without faith, all are under the wrath of God. And so it's important, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's impo- this is one of my life verses. I learned this in college. I grew up in the church, but I never really understood this word grace. We talked about it a lot. You hear it a lot. It's like the, the Christian buzzword. It's just kind of thrown on every prayer or thrown in, you know, every little potluck or whatever. But um it's just kind of like this Christian, you know, thing. But I didn't understand it until I like, I don't know if on this side of eternity if I'll ever actually understand it completely. Um, but this verse is one of my life verses that I've memorized. Uh, and I want to share that as a Christian, we need to believe this. Ephesians 2. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. And so it is by grace through faith that you've been saved. And what we understand here is in Hebrews eleven six. this word faith is actually talking about, you know, kind of the exercising, you know, every day someone, like to some degree, everyone in this room exercises faith day, you know in day-to-day life it's just you know like we talked about that the first week um, and so verse six is actually talking about a deeper faith in verse six when he's talking about that and so really the question is what faith pleases god that's really the question for us tonight and hopefully we can unpack it a little bit and it's really a two-fold answer it's right in the verse verse six what faith pleases god first faith that believes god exists That's the first. And the second is faith that believes he rewards those who diligently seek him. So those are the two types of faith um, that please him. And so look down at 6a, the beginning of 6. He says, for he who, or the second part of 6, sorry, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. He's what? Well, really we're talking about here, there's three levels of belief. And I just want to look at that really quick. The first level is simply the literal Greek translation here that's saying he is. And so we want to understand is the human race has descended from um, kind of this pagan pantheism uh, mindset. So like since the beginning of time, people have always believed the universe is seen as a manifestation of God. Like forever people have thought like there's God, you know. They might have not been living for God, but they've thought there is God. And and today there's a lot of, you know, more of a pan-atheism where there's like there is no God. There's nothing um, sacred. There's no God. Um, which I think is ironic that, you know, early civilization, closer to when, you know, creation happened, believed there's God, and the, the farther we get away from that, the, the more we get away from believing there's God. Anyways, that's a whole other uh, story, but I think it's ironic. Um, uh, and I also think it's, it's kind of humorous, too, is that our mar- literally our, the modern culture doesn't even do as well as like demons do, you know, in a sense. There's not a demon in the universe that's not an atheist. You know, there's not a demon like... Or, sorry, that, that is an atheist. Um, there, there, You know, there's a real... I said that backwards. <laughs> I'm going to read that. Our modern culture doesn't even do as well as the demons. There's not a demon in the universe that's, not, that's an atheist. And so, I think it's interesting. If you read James 2, James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So you need to understand like that there is a demonic realm and and demons like they believe in a monotheistic a monotheist they're actually trinitarians you know demons know god they know god the father son and the spirit and so it's very interesting that the more we've evolved we think we there's no god but yet there is and uh, so that's first level he is a second level of belief requires uh, it required us to believe that God is. And, and really what we're seeing here is Hebrews 11 surveys the Old Testament and shows a belief in the great God of the Old Testament as the God that exists, the creator, the the personal God that, that exists, and, and uh, uh, one true God. And so that's what we, the first level is he is, it's kind of everyone kind of, he, he is, you know what, he's God. And then the, the second level is what he's talking about here of faith is that, man, That we believe in one god that the god of the old testament uh, is gracious and long-suffering and good and there's one god and he's personal and he's a creator and he's a miracle worker and he's a lover of people and he's longing for it to be worshipped and and then the third level of belief is a belief in the massive god of the new testament Uh, as revealed in Jesus the Son. And we're not talking about a revelation of a greater God, but what's cool is it's a greater revelation of God. And so we see God become flesh uh, in the New Testament. And we kind of talked about this a few weeks back, but um, I'm going to bring up the slide. Hebrews 1 uh, really states it clearly. The author of Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so we understand Jesus is God. And Jesus is God's final word, really. Um, he's God's ultimate revelation. And one of the coolest passages in the, in the New Testament, I want to encourage you, um, I'm going to read it. It's going to be on the overhead, but write it down. Uh, I want to encourage you this week, read it a few times. It's one of the coolest passages on who Jesus is in the New Testament. It was actually in the early church, um, it was a song uh, that they'd sing. It was a hymn type that they'd sing. Uh, But man, one of the most powerful texts in all the Bible on who Jesus is is in Colossians 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that were in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence or the supremacy, for it pleased the Father, that in Him all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things, to make all things new to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Powerful text. And I just want to encourage you this week, read that. Believe that. That's, That's the Jesus that we're to believe in. That's Uh, It's amazing um, what he did um, and how God um, sent his son for us. So, and then the second part, the first part, faith that pleases God believes he exists. And we saw three levels. And then the second part of faith that pleases God is that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so Enoch was sure of this. He was sure of this. This This was his testimony that he pleased God. That was his testimony. How cool is that? How how freeing is that to know that we can please God and we don't have to be on the hamster wheel of life. But he pleased him through through faith. And, and I love this, this text in Jude, actually, Jude uh, 14 and 15. Um, uh, this uh, quote that Enoch said uh, really showed that um, he was sure of this. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so we want to understand Enoch lived in a very dark time uh, that was not compatible with his faith. You know, some people talk about, you know, the world's getting darker and darker, um, and it is in some cases. We're getting farther and farther away from the one true God, and things have gotten a little more um, muddied and, and darker, but yet they were living in a very hard and difficult time. In fact, life was so dark that finally in the time of Noah, in Genesis six eleven, it says this, Now God saw the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence, so God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. You know, and, But what's crazy is Enoch was a man that pursued God's kingdom and his righteousness, and he resists this temptation. He resists this evil. He resists this darkness that was all around him, and, and his testimony is that he walked with God for over 300 years. And this was back before God limited man's days, uh, which is Genesis, beginning of Genesis 6, actually, when he uh, said no man will live past 120 120 years. Um, And so 300 years, that was his testimony. He walked with God because he diligently sought him. He knew that God would reward him if he would seek him. You know, the Bible's full of different rewards that we can um, find in God um, as we seek him. You know, one of my favorite verses, and has got me through a lot of hard times, is in James 4:8 says, uh, "Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you." And to me, that's what I think of diligently seeking Him. There was times in my life when I I needed to read that verse every 15 minutes just to get through the next 15 minutes. It's like God, I'm drawing near, best I know how. Like life sucks right now; it's hard, and I don't feel like you know, you know, drawing near to you. But I'm drawing near because Your Word Promises, it says, your word says it, and I'm gonna believe it. If I draw near to you, you're gonna draw near to me. And I've seen that in my life, and I've seen that in others' life, but that is a reward of those that diligently seek him, is that he will be found, he'll be close to you. So how was Abel or how was Enoch, Enoch able? How was Enoch uh, able to withstand this, these temptations? Well, he believed that God is that he exists in all his creative and personal power. And secondly, he believed that God uh, rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the question for us tonight is, do we truly believe God? Do we believe his word? Do we believe that um, he is and he rewards those who seek him? And if we do, then let's, let's turn our posture to apply that. Let's seek him. Let's surrender to him. Let's trust him. We can have faith that pleases God, and we can walk with him all our day. Isn't that cool to think that we can, you know, that's Enoch, and we're going to see that's Noah's testimony, is that they walked with God. Like, how cool is that? You can just walk with God to class. You can just be talking. You can have that right relationship, and it pleases him. You're inviting him into this space that he's allowed you to be a part of at OSU. And and as you're walking to class, you're just talking and and inviting him into that. Look at verse 7 by faith Noah being divinely warned of these not yet seen being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is according to faith and so by faith we see Noah acted when God warned him of things not yet seen. There's that term again, things not yet seen. We saw that earlier in Hebrews uh, verse 1, Hebrews 11. One. You know, what's crazy is nobody at that time had seen a flood before. And, and perhaps, maybe not even a rainstorm. Um, it doesn't say, but maybe not. But inwardly, Noah had visual certainty. You know, he could visualize it. He could see it. In, in Inwardly, he was assured. Uh, his faith, uh, we want to understand, involved this whole person. I think sometimes we try to compartmentalize our life, but his faith involved his entire being. Um, his mind was warned of God, we see in verse 7. His heart was moved with a, a reverence or a godly fear, and his will acted on what God told him. So heart, mind, and will. The whole person responded um, to this um, what god had said and so noah was sure of what he hoped for he was sure Uh, for him the future promise of salvation was so real it was present like this promise of salvation it was real that it was present that he would act Um, and faith is more um, it's more than certainty really faith is it's not just being certain it, it is belief and trust really that makes faith and noah believed god and his actions his, what's crazy is actions must have really generated, you know, a great deal of ridicule. You know, if you think about it, you know, there hadn't been a flood yet, and like when you read about all the how big the ark was and how long it took, it took about 120 years to build. Uh, could you imagine the Noah jokes that he probably got over that? I mean, but yet he's stayed faithful. I mean, how long have you been called to do something and you stuck with it? I mean, none of us have stuck with it 120 years because none of us have lived that long, but. 120 years, he stuck with this. He believed it. It was that real to him. And I think something that I wanted to draw our attention back to, we've talked about, is that true Bible faith is confidently obedient to God's Word in spite of circumstances and consequences. So there was a conviction. There was an assurance, a deep, concrete conviction uh, that this is what he needed to do to save his family and to be an example to the. to to the world at that time. And and he did it, uh, regardless of the circumstances. And he did it, he stayed to it for 120 years. Uh, And he probably took some ridicule. You can go ahead and turn to uh, Genesis 6, the first book of the Bible. Before we get in there, I'm going to share a little bit Kind of get us up to speed. So we want to understand what just kind of this thought about Noah, the finishing this thought about just him willingly uh, stepping out, is that Noah believed God because he had no reason not to, you know, and and it wasn't this blind faith, you know. Noah's hope was in God, and and what we talked about before too is hope uh, means the absolute expectation. Of coming good based on the character of God. And so he believed God. Why? Well, God's, God was good and is good. And I think I want to put that just to, to the end of it right now is like there's kind of this concept that God's not good. I think sometimes that infiltrates our, a lot of what we grab, grab to in, in our belief in God. And God is good, He's perfect, He's consistent, and we are not. He's good, he's consistent, he's gracious, he's long-suffering. You know, he, he, he gave man time and time again in Noah's day opportunity. Even after he declared that the flood was going to happen, he gave him 120 years to see Noah uh, building an ark. And, and curiosity, I'm sure, was perked. And I'm sure they asked questions, but yet they did not uh, come to him. So he was long-suffering. Uh, and he just desires for our, our hearts and our allegiance our and our worship. But God is good. But during Noah's time, the entire human race was so evil, and this is in verses 6-6, six, six, you can see that. The entire human race was so evil that it says um, God was grieved or, or that he was sad that he created mankind and he wanted to wipe them all out. But Noah, I love this verse in verse 6, uh, Eight of chapter six, but Noah found favor in God's eyes. What a beautiful verse! You know, to to understand who Noah was, he was a righteous man. In verse nine, it says he was blameless, not in terms of like never had sin, but in terms of integrity, uh, he was blameless in his generation, uh, and he walked with God. So God made. This is such a powerful story. So God made. A way for one righteous man to save the entire human race, instead of just—he could have just like right away just snapped his finger. I'm done with them. I'm sick of them. Boom. But he—he he made a way for one righteous man to uh, save uh, the human race. Does that sound familiar? It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Beautiful uh, picture. Look at Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter five, verse twenty-one. Speaking of Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the gospel. Jesus knew no sin and he became sin so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. Those that have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's what God sees. And that's how we can be declared righteous. Speaking of Noah, I was curious as I was studying today, could you imagine what it would be like to just be standing for God alone all those years. For 120 years, and before that, and he found favor in God's eyes before the building of the ark, but for 120 years, he lived among the people and was a witness in word. I'm sure he, 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 he pointed people to have faith in God and believe and repent and, and probably told them about the, the coming judgment that would come. And so I'm sure he said things in word. I mean, he was human. He used his mouth, I'm sure. But also his life, his actions, um, I'm sure, spoke of that, just sticking to what God had told him to do for 120 years. Um, But yet no one turned. He was alone for all those years, and yet no one turned. How discouraging you'd you'd think that would be, and hard that would be. But yet what's cool is we look at Noah's faith did influence some people. It's cool that his whole family was influenced by his faith. They were all saved. His whole entire family uh, was saved and allowed to go on the ark. His faith also condemned the whole world, and his faith um, really you know, revealed their unbelief. And I think this is interesting. That comes out of the story. Um, is the mere conduct of godly people and, and even without any preaching we're talking about here, uh, can feel like condemnation to the world. Just just people living out and wanting to follow God can feel like condemnation. And, and I'm sure you guys have had different times where you just felt, or people you know, I mean, there was times in college, you know, when I, people would ask, like, hey, you want to go party? And I was like, no, I, you know, I don't really want to. I don't really want to party, and it's like, wow, well, why not? You know, you holy roller or something, or are you too cool, or. And I was like, no, I just don't want want to party. I don't want to do that, you know. And uh, same with like, there was times I, I remember getting made fun of. Like, I, I waited, uh, I waited till marriage uh, to you know have sex my first time at 28, and I got made fun of for that or comments about that. And it just seems like so different than the culture of the day. Like, and, and it's almost like people are feeling condemned by it, and it's like, no, this is not, I'm just trying to live out what God, this is what God's plan is. God's plan is, like, like to, to, you know, for, in the confines of marriage, uh, to have uh, sex, you know, and, and I'm not trying to condemn you or tell you, and it's just funny how, like, the godly, uh, around, when people are around the godly people, they just, they feel condemned, and it's like, no, I, I love you like that's what god's told me to do and i'm going to follow god because that's he's first in my life and um i think that's it's so ironic in our day now it feels like people can't even this is just kind of a side note i've been noticing just whether watching the news or anything you can't even have a different viewpoint with people and right away you're you're con, you're considered like you don't love them and i'm like man that's never was the case you know if, even just a few years ago i had tons of friends that had Way different viewpoints, and we could talk, and afterwards we could hug and say, "I love you," you know. But but we'd still agree to disagree, and it was fine. But um, anyways, getting off on on that topic. But you know what's interesting too is uh, Jesus used Noah's experience to warn people um, to be ready for his return. Look at Matthew 24. I promise we're going to read out of Genesis 6 too, also. So that'll be next. Um, look at Matthew uh, 24. Check this out. so will be the coming of the son of man. Verse 40, then two men will be in a field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And so in Noah's day, the people were involved in everyday activities, and you know we see in this text, and completely ignoring Noah's witness, just going about their busy lives. And I think this is a warning not only for people that don't know Jesus, but for us in the church. Is we can one of my greatest fears has been, um, you know, as I've had a walk with God now for 30 years or whatever. I think I, yeah, I'm 36, and I gave my life to Christ at six um, at a puppet show. Um, <laughs> It's a big part of my testimony, <laughs> lots of tears um, but uh so thirty years um walking with the lord and and one of the biggest fears for me is this the word complacency, and I think that warning is not only for those that don't know Christ is hey, God's coming back, and he wants you to be a part of his kingdom, come into it, and those that are walking in his kingdom like keep going strong like don't get complacent. Be about his business. Be all in. And so it's a beautiful uh, reminder. Genesis 6, 17. We're there. Look at this. Six seventeen. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which, in the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, with you. Verse 19, And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, male and female. Skip on to verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And so as we wrap up tonight, I wanted to read that last text. Is first, we see this that God established a covenant with him, that there was grace for his family, and he didn't just wipe out all living things, that he, he provided a, a new beginning. And Noah was called righteous, we see here, if you look down at verse 22, because he had faith to do all that God commanded him to do. He had faith to do it. Noah's righteousness didn't come from his good works. His good works came because of his righteousness. There's a difference. He did everything God asked. And then we see in Genesis 7, the flood came. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and everything was covered over 150 days. And everything died like God had promised. And God didn't forget his promise to Noah, though. And I love that. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8 if you're in Genesis. It says, but God remembered Noah. I, that, that verse this week, I don't know why, it gave me like goosebumps when I read it. I was like, oh, that is so cool. Like, it, it seems like, oh yeah, it should be just given. He promised him he's not gonna, you know, forget. But, but that's a big deal, you know. Whole world's wiped out and God remembered Noah. And he brought Noah out of the ark and established the new covenant with him. And I just love this story, this beautiful picture of just God giving a new beginning. And in verse eight, verse twenty-one, this is where we're gonna this is the last verse we're gonna read. Skip over to Genesis eight, twenty-one. Or maybe actually I have a slide for it. Cool. Uh, the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on the account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And then the beginning of 9 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to him, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so we see the same language. the same. We see the same language um, as Genesis 1 uh, or the beginning, you know, similar language. And so we just see Noah's inheritance is this new world, a whole new world. It's like a Disney song. Um, but there's a new beginning. Um, and so, as we kind of close tonight, how does this apply to our lives today? How do we, how do we apply this to where we are in the here and the now? Um, first thing, I believe if you're here tonight and you haven't put your faith in Christ, you're here for a reason. I really believe that. God has you here for a reason. I believe He's reaching out to you. He desires a personal relationship with you. You know He really does. He wants to give you a new beginning. And, and I just want to just encourage you. Really, if this is your first time or if you're, you know, struggling to believe in that, really consider Jesus tonight. Don't just be like, ah, church thing, not my thing. Really consider Jesus. He really loves you. And the second thing I think uh, that can apply to our lives today is from Noah's story, Noah believed that the flood was coming. And because he believed it, he did what God told him to do in order to save his family. And so, as I was praying and studying, I think the challenge as Christians, we must ask ourselves if we truly believe God's word. That he is coming in judgment, and how have we tried to bring God's salvation to others around us? How have we tried to bring Jesus to others around us? Because the question comes back to what we said earlier, do we really believe this? Because, like Noah, if we really believe, then our actions should start pointing people to the life and the love and the hope that's only found in Jesus. Let's pray. So we just push things aside and and just pause for a second just as we're taking in and just considering these thoughts from God's Word. And if you were in that first group that I mentioned, if you're here tonight and maybe you've not put faith in Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. You know, He sees you, He loves you, and He just desires a personal relationship with you. And as we're just taking time just to to pray and, and give these things to God, I just want to challenge you that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus tonight. You can just simply raise the white flag of just dying to self. You can just say, God, I'm, I want to live for you. I want to do things your way. And if that's you and you're just like, man, I'm tired of, I'm tired of striving and trying to be good enough and do enough, I just want to be. I want to be what what the Bible says pleases God. I want to live by faith in Jesus. And and if that's you, I just want to encourage you, just pray a simple prayer right where you're sitting right now. Lord, I confess. Just repeat after me. Lord, I confess that I've sinned and that my sin separates me from you. And I also know that your son Jesus died on a cross for that sin. And I invite you into my life. Come into my heart and give me the strength to live for you. Jesus, I confess, you are Lord. Be Lord of my life. I surrender all to you, God. I want to live for you.